Well, good morning, church, and thank you so much for being with us again today as we have another Sunday of Church Online here in our living room. Uh, we're grateful that you're here, and we pray that in every way that you're blessed and you're encouraged uh, by our time together. Our sermon today, our message, is, is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1-8, through 8, and it's called Love or Nothing. I, I hope that you have your Bibles and that you turn there and you're able to just kind of dig into the Word as, as we get there, uh, because it's important that you see God's words, His love letter really, to you and to me uh, in front of you, and that you hold it in your hands and that you consume it, really, uh, for better understanding. And so let's pray and, and let's just uh, kind of dig into this today. So Father God, we are so thankful that uh, we're together, even in this way. Um, we pray so much for all the people that are uh, being affected in just a host of different ways from this virus. Um, God, we know that you're in charge and we know that you're working powerfully through that. And so, Lord, even in the midst of the dark days and the struggles that so many are experiencing today, um, help us to see the good that you're desiring to bring from it. God, we love you and we're just thankful for this moment and this time of day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I like to read, and actually I do a lot of reading, and most of it is for uh, serious purposes or to learn or uh, to be able to do things like this. Uh, but I also like to, at the evening, kind of get something that is really light and really something that's not, uh, I don't have to absorb, and it's usually uh, something of fiction. And um, a few months ago, my mother-in-law, Ruth, gave me one of those old Reader's Digest condensed version of, of books. And so I just started reading from front to back. And, and there were several books in, in one in the compilation. And so there was one that I, I stuck in my mind. And it was about six months ago I read this. And it was a fiction novel from 1968. And it was called Vanished. By, and it was written by a guy named Fletcher Nebel. And he wrote something in there that I circled. And I had no idea that it was going to be um, so relevant for today. And I just thought it was worded right, and I didn't really give it much thought until the other day. And I got that book back out, and I read what I had circled, and this is what it said. No national crisis, not even war, can hold the public's attention with unremitting intensity day after day. We all retreat to the shelter of small personal tribulations, gathering a second wind for our next preoccupation with whatever appears to threaten us. The truth that that author was pointing out is that in a society, we have these things, these national, even um, universal, worldwide crises pop up, and it just snags everybody's attention, and we all flock to that. And while we're there for a time, we, we are together because we have a common enemy and, 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 we, and we care for each other in a greater way that is really quite rare. But then after a time, we even get used to that crisis and, and we just don't want to deal with it anymore. And I don't know if it's because we have a short attention span or we just can't look, even when, uh, look at trouble, even when it's still at our door. Uh, we just walk away and try to pretend it's not there. I don't know what that is, but I think that we truly do that. And then we go back into our small perspectives of our own troubles. And we forget about our neighbor down the block who's still knee-deep in the mire. We know this is to be true, 
from our own life experiences. And, and for most of us that are here today and that listen to this, you would remember well a, a date not too long ago, September 11, 2001, when the entire world came to a stop. Do you remember that day and, and how things immediately uh, um, changed? And, and we were once again all on the same team and we all had a common enemy. And, and there was a national spirit and unity that, that started up and it, was just, it, it just exploded. And, and, and people were together and we loved the police and we loved the firemen. And our churches just swelled and filled. Nothing was ever the same again post 9-11. But sadly, after a while, the churches started thinning out. People didn't like the police as much as they used to. We all started being more concerned about how things were affecting me and not my neighbor. And sadly, the divide became part of our lives. And we're so far away from that now, of where we were less than 20 years ago. And so the possibilities of the silver lining that was in that very dark cloud of unity and love of neighbor and peace and a society that worked together was lost. Most folks simply forgot the crisis. And it's true what Neville says, they retreated to the shelter of their own small tribulations. I have a very intelligent wife, Angie. And from the beginning of this quarantine and the virus and all the things that started just spinning really rapidly out of control, she said that if we emerge from these quarantines and this social distancing and this sickness and this death that the world is experiencing together right now, and we are unchanged for the good, then we've completely missed the message. She's a smart girl, and I'm glad that I have her. I was looking through scripture this week and, and I even heard this from a preacher that I always listen to and it's from the Old Testament book of Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5 and it's at the, it's the minor prophets and it's towards the end of the uh, Old Testament and this is God speaking and he says look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Watch what God is doing right now. Try to find out how we can get in step. We've talked in our times together that if God is in control, and He is, then some, He has something even in this virus, even in these dark days for us to know, for us to learn, and something for all of us to ultimately accomplish during this, and then to take on and then complete after the crisis. I need to make something clear today. This isn't a public service announcement where I'm trying to encourage the general population that we come out with hopes of folks um, emerging all over that we are a kinder society. That would be great. And, and, and I do hope that ultimately that is what happens. But this message that I have today is for you, the church. It is meant for us to be encouraged together and make sure that we don't miss what God desires to bring out of all of this. 
Because I believe that in times of great change, it was always brought on about by a great crisis. And then things were followed up and accomplished, and societies and the lives of many were changed when the church stepped up. And so what I hope to accomplish in our very short time this morning, in my very small platform, and in my very limited ability to preach, is for somehow for us to come to some sort of a, a movement that we emerge from this post-COVID-19 as a unified church, all on the same page, with the same desires, and with the same hopes, and the same dreams. I want to read that passage that I pointed to you earlier from 1 Corinthians 13. And I want to talk about this church that Paul was writing to, and it's just so uh, relevant, again, uh, for today. But this is what he says when he gets to, out into the 13th chapter. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never ever fails. For our application today and for a clearer understanding of how this passage might be one of the most important scriptures right now for us to read, I want to just very briefly give a historical setting of the people that Paul was writing to that day. This is 1 Corinthians, and so the church, the people, the society that received this letter was in ancient Corinth. It was a very wealthy town, um, mostly because it was at the crossroads of a major tra uh, trade route system. And so these people, they, they benefited from that in just a, a host of different ways. They had access to everything that they needed to live a life of comfort, a life of plenty, a life of luxury. Anything that the world had to offer that was good, they could simply walk down to the street and probably purchase and have as their possession. And so the result was this, of this great ease of life was a very rich, a very satisfied, a very, perhaps, selfish, spoiled people. People who, perhaps, and I'm, I'm getting this from the scripture that I read, that from the whole, book, whole of the two books to Corinthians, and then a little research on the side, 
that these people's motivating factor in this society was one of love of self. What's good for me? What can I get out of this? But again, I need to make a clarification that Paul wasn't writing to the general population or the society of Corinth. Paul was writing this letter of correction to the people of the church. If you ever have time and you read through these two letters, I think what you would find is that Paul is saying to these folks, you are more like the environment that you live in, the what-is-good-for-me love-of-self environment, than you are of being like Christ, who gave everything. I think that if you look through this, these corrective measures that Paul gives is evidence of the truth of what was going on at that time and how that really kind of matches up, and I think, in my estimation, so well with maybe where America, United States was before the COVID-19 brought us to a new place in history. I think we're a lot like ancient society in Corinth. Love of self. But the question isn't for the general population, is it? The question is for the church. Are we too like the Corinthian church that Paul was writing to 2,000 years ago? That we are more like our society of love of self? Or are we more like Christ and complete love for others? The question would be for each of us to answer. But maybe on this day, we can all together set a goal. I think it's found in those first three verses that Paul writes. He says those, I just want to read those to us again. And he says that, If I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding, resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and cannot fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my bodies to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. That word love, it, 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 unless we look at the, the, the specific meaning that Paul had in mind that day, we, we would miss the point of this and how urgent the, the plea that Paul was giving to them and now us is. The word love that he was using is, is, a, is an old Greek word called agape love. Many of you would know what that means, and if you don't, you can surely look it up and kind of investigate it, and, and I encourage you to do so. But agape love is a love that is from God alone. It's not something that we can work hard at and develop in our uh, tool of resources, but it is only found in the people that God has changed from who they were and who they are today. And so it's never about this agape love, what is received, but it all is always about what can be given. It's often said that it is a sacrificial and an unconditional love. Meaning that it has nothing to do with how you treat me or how you, uh, I benefit. It's not about the self-love that is so prevalent today, but it is about love of others, entirely, wholly, and completely. Believers are to extend agape love 
of course, to fellow believers. John 13, 34 says that. But here's where the, the catch is. It says that in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, that we're also supposed to give this unconditional, sacrificial love to our enemies. Now, I know if you're sitting there and you hear these words, perhaps for the first time, you say, there's just no way that can happen, and you are very well correct. There's no way we can give love to our enemies apart from the gift of God in our lives. That cannot happen in the general society. It can only happen in the church that knows the understanding of what Jesus was speaking about in John chapter 3. He makes it clear in that passage when he's talking to a man that just wasn't quite understanding how this could, these things could be possible. And he said, it is not possible with man, but only with God. And he says, this is why you must be born again. I know most of people that are watching this would have heard that term somewhere along the line, born again. It's John chapter 3. And what it means is not just simply that you've made a, a mental assent or consent, to the reality of Jesus, but something vastly different from that when you've repented of your sins, when you've figuratively knelt below the shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ and say that I have nothing apart from you. Please forgive me. Please be my Lord and Savior. We can only give that kind of love when we have that kind of understanding of who Jesus Christ is. If we get there, folks, we know that apart from God's presence in our lives, the things that He's asking us to do is impossible. In Matthew 19, Jesus says, these things with man are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So without the indwelling Holy Spirit that is working in our lives, these things are impossible, but I'm telling you, if you do have the Holy Spirit in your life, it is impossible not to be growing more and more like Christ each and every day. In the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 5, Paul is still speaking to them and saying, think about these things. Compare yourself. And he says this flat out to him. he says, examine yourselves. Examine yourself to see if you are truly in the faith. Test yourselves. Well, that's what we are going to do here, just briefly, in the time that we have. And it is easy to do, really, because there's a measurement, I think, that Paul presents to us in the second four verses of, of, these, of this passage of 13.5. You remember what it said. There's a comparison, I think, of Paul is saying, these are worldly actions. And then these are the actions of the true church. The, love, the, the true church is, is always outward focused. It's about others. It's agape love, love of others. And he says, in that way we are patient. In this world that, that is so frustrating at times. We're kind to, to the world that is so often it, it, is everything but kind to us. We rejoice in the truth, not in the truth that I want to develop or research and, and post on Facebook about all these other people that are telling me this is true, but what we do is we, want, we do want the truth. 
and, and we research it, and it's not about what I want to impress on, upon you, but it's the joining together and finding real truth and something that we can all walk together. The love of the church always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. The love of God that is in the church and in the lives of all believers, love never fails. Is that what your life looks like, folks? Because I think that that is what Paul was talking about when he says, examine yourselves. Is this how you respond to a world that is often hostile towards you? Or is it about getting even? Because that's what he says along with that. He talks about an inward focus of, of love for, uh, for ourselves then. An inward focus makes us envious and boastful, and proud, and rude, and self-seeking, and angry. A love of self keeps records of wrongs and can't forgive other people. A love of self does not delight in evil, but gets happy when that fella down the road finally gets his. Church, if we come to the end of these dark days that we're living in, after so many have struggled so hard, after so many have been in, living in fear and losing their way and being sick, and so, so many have lost loved ones, if we get to the end of this and we are unchanged and we just want to get back to our churches and just do business as usual, then I know that we have missed the message. Therefore, we seek a result. We do want it to end. And I do want to get back to church with all of you folks. But let's not waste it. And let's seek to come out of this different and change. Because listen to the result that I'm sure that God is seeking in the church now. From John chapter 13, verse 35. Do you know what that says? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if what? If you love one another. Not our amazing grasp of our specific, our particular theological um, position. Not to, in our efforts to um, always argue properly the merits of seeing the things the way that we see them. Not the size of our church, not the awesomeness of our worship team, not the expansive audience that we can gather on any given Sunday. The world will be changed only by our agape love. Test yourselves. I think for the church going forward, it has to be love or nothing. I tell you, I like to read and I like to read all kinds of different things. Well, I like to listen to all kinds of different music too. And this week there's been a song that from an old bluegrass band, the Earl Scruggs, that I just couldn't get out of my mind. It just kept coming back and back and back. Because the opening 
stanza that comes out, the songwriter says, I saw Jesus on the cross on a hill called Calvary. I said, do you hate mankind for what they've done to you? And he said, talk of love and not of hate. Things to do. It's getting late. Powerful. Church, I think it's time that the only message that we put in our society is love. I think it's getting late. And we don't have time to take any more side roads. We don't have time to miss this message. From here forward, what do you say? Let's agree on love or nothing. Be safe. We're praying for you guys. Take care. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening in today. We know these are uncertain times right now, but we hope our message encourages you. If you'd like to stay connected, please check out our Facebook pages, Miller Christian Church Family or Burr Oak Church. While our church doors may not be open, these services are now posted on YouTube by checking out Barnabas Bridge Channel. If God spoke to you today, we urge you to contact Roger at thebarnabasbridge@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thank you again. Stay safe and stay connected. Later.